0: Lord, we thank you so much for blessing us with this time, this day, this hour to gather in your name and in your presence, God, where there is fullness of joy, there is peace that surpasses understanding, there is unconditional love, there is renewed mercy, and there is efficient grace that you have for us. All that we need pertaining to this life, God, as well as the life to come. So we thank you, God, for giving us a heart after you and a heart that is willing to be responsive to what you're going to pour into us today. Not only for our sake, but for the good of those we're going to reach and ultimately for your glory. So we pray that you will be with us. You will give us clarity and that you will speak to all of us directly from your throne uh, with uh, conviction and passion, uh, with power and authority, that your word may not return void, but it will accomplish what you've purposed it to do even before the foundation of the world. And for that, Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Because in Jesus' name we pray Now these things and all God's people said together, amen, amen, amen. Well, there is an evolution of warfare. That we can see throughout the history of not only this country, but throughout the world, okay? There's been an evolution of warfare. If you've ever watched old documentaries on how they used to fight in battles and war, you would see we've come a pretty long way, okay? I, I watched documentaries where they used to have two armies and they would just line up facing each other and they would just shoot. <laughs> okay? If you were in the front row, you got shot, you fell down, next guy in line, he stood up and it just continued that way. So it went from there just standing and getting shot to now having a more uh, strategic or stealthy or covert operation, Okay. more of a covert approach to warfare. And so now we have what is called modern warfare. Modern warfare. And the reason why they call it modern warfare is not only because of the new strategy in war, but the advancement in technology or the advancement in weaponry. We have gone uh, from uh, using muskets (laughs) to uh, M16s and all kinds of weapons that we now have in fighting our wars. Well, the strategy and technology that is as old as war itself that we're going to be talking about today is something called booby traps, okay? (laughs) Booby traps, okay? Now, booby traps comes from the word booby that actually means foolish, or it means dope, okay? Not dope as in cool, but you dope, <laughs> as you fail for the okie-dokie, okay? That's what booby trap comes from, because there is a trap that has been set for you, and you were foolish enough, you were dumb enough to fall for it, to fall into it, <laughs> and so it is called a booby trap, but Basically what it is, it's some type of device that is triggered by an unsuspecting individual, either to trap them, to hurt them, or even to kill them. Okay? And it is placed in a known path where they believe this person is going to be going, or it is baited with something that is desirable. This is how a booby trap works. It's either placed in the path of where the individual knows you're going to be going, or it is baited by something they know you want, something that is desirable. Now, one of my favorite movies growing up when I was a kid was The Goonies, okay? The Goonies, I love The Goonies, and I believe the reason why The Goonies was so successful and so appealing was because of all of the booby traps (laughs) that was in the movie, (laughs) I mean, it started off with a booby trap, right? They had to open up the gate by letting this uh, ball go down and all. And from then on, all you had was nothing but booby traps, booby traps, booby traps throughout the entire movie, okay? The one guy, he couldn't even say booby traps, right? Y'all remember that? (laughs) But the booby traps, and they were showing you because these were done from these pirates from ancient times. It was letting you know that this is nothing new. Even though there's been advancement in technology, advancement in weapons, the use of booby traps is nothing new. It continues even to this day. This connecting reaction that would activate a trap and bring pain, bring uh, hurt, bring death to your life. Well, some of these booby traps are fun popular game that I remember growing up and uh, I started playing when uh, my wife and I got married was mousetrap, okay, I remember mousetrap. Mousetrap was a booby trap, okay? You had to set up these reactions and if you did it just right and you uh, hit that trigger, if it was right, it would trap that mouse and you would win the game. Other booby traps that are for fun would be practical jokes, okay? Maybe you put a bucket of water above a door, and when somebody opens up the door, it comes down on. That's a booby trap, okay? So there are some that are fun, but then there are certain booby traps that we find in war that are not fun. They are deadly. They are deadly, and those particular booby traps are called mines. Mines. Mines are simply glorified booby traps, okay? Okay? That's what a mine is. A mine is simply a booby trap. It is placed on the ground or slightly underneath the ground or even in water. And it's placed in the path of the victim or where one is lured to go. And it's interesting about a booby trap or a mine is because even though it is placed there by the enemy, it is triggered by you. Okay? Think about that for a little bit. (laughs) The enemy is the one that places the booby trap there, that places the mind there, but the enemy doesn't set it off, okay? It is only set off by you triggering it, by you tripping over the line, by you stepping on the line, by you activating it. So the enemy places it there, make no mistake about that, but it is only activated by you, you know, there's some statistics about mines even in our world today. They say that 80% of those who are hurt and killed by mines are not soldiers at all. They're civilians. And that is because to this day, there are over 78 countries that are littered with mines from different wars over the, over the history of time. Okay, so they can't go and, and, and scan all the, the fields and the grounds of this world. So people or armies have placed mines there that they've forgotten about. And to this day, seven eight countries are littered with live mines. And they say about fifteen to 20,000 people per year die due to mines. Okay. Country, or countless of them are Maine. Most of them are children, which means everybody around places like this, they have to be careful where they walk. It gives a new meaning to to, uh, the phrase walking on eggshells, right? (laughs) That gives you a whole new meaning. (laughs) You got to be careful where you walk. You got to be careful where you go because you never know when you're going to step on a landmine. Well, we too are at war. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, <laughs> but we too are at war, okay? We're, as a matter of fact, we are in the middle of the greatest civil war that there has ever been, okay? We are at war, and we are fighting with an enemy that does not fight fair, okay? He, does, he will not square up and go toe-to-toe with well, That's not how he fights, okay? He will not stand opposite us and let us take a shot, and he he takes a shot. That's not how he fights. We are in a war, and we are fighting an enemy that does not fight fair. Deception is his M.O. Deception is his means of operating in this fight or this battle or the war that we are in. And so his weaponry then reflects his strategy. If his strategy is deception, then his weaponry or his arsenal is going to reflect deception. He is going to use deception to hurt us, use deception to maim us, use deception to cripple us, to kill us, to defeat us. That is how our enemy operates. You see, Satan knows that he is already defeated. He knows that. How do we know he knows that? Because in Revelation, the Bible says he knows his time is short, (laughs) which means he knows his time is coming to an end. So Satan already knows that he is defeated. He already knows he is a defeated foe. But what he is banking on is you not knowing it. What he is banking on is you never discovering that he is already defeated. You never discovering that he has already been disarmed. He has already been, he is hoping that you never figure that out. Because if you don't figure that out, he will use his weaponry against you and be successful at doing it. So he relies on us not knowing that he's already been defeated in order to bring defeat to our lives. Okay, you say, well, how does he do that then? Well, he does that by attacking the mind. He does that by attacking. That's the only thing he can do. If he has been defeated already, if he has been disarmed already, the only way he can come against us and prevail is by attacking our mind. Again, it's like uh, that um, movie Titanic when... Uh, there was chaos and confusion going on all over the boat because it was about to go down and, and the guy there was saying, order, order, I want order. Nobody's listening to him. So what does he do? He pulls out a gun. <laughs> and Everybody calms down. Everybody gets quiet. But then he turns around and what does he begin to do? He begins to load it. <laughs> the gun wasn't even loaded when he was pointing at them, but yet they did what he wanted them to do. If a gunman comes in right now and tells us all to get down, we would all get down, not realizing that there are no bullets in the gun. (laughs) Satan puts a gun to our head, he puts a gun in our face, he tells us how to think, he tells us how to feel, and we do it not realizing that the gun ain't even loaded. (laughs) He has been disarmed, he has been defeated. But he banks on you never discovering that, never figuring that out. So when he gives you that command and he makes you do what he wants you to do, you still do it because you think he still has power over you, which he does not. So he does it by attacking the mind. Why does he do that? Proverbs 23, 7, our first scripture. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as a man or woman, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why he attacks the mind. Because God said, as a person thinks, so is he. As a person thinks, so is she. As a person thinks, so they are. Why? Because how we think is going to determine how we feel. And how we feel is going to determine what we do. And what we do is going to determine who we become. So whoever we are going to be, whoever we're going to become, whatever we're going to do, however we're going to feel, it all starts with how we think. And so he attacks the mind. He goes to the source. I don't want to go to the end of your life or to your career or to your calling. Let me just go to the source of where that's going to come from. Let me attack the mind. Let me get you to think the way I want you to think. Let me get you to forget that I've been defeated, that I've been disarmed, that I have no power. Let me get you to forget all that, and I get you to think the way I want you to think, and then you're going to feel like I want you to feel. Then you're going to do like I want you to do. Then you're going to become what I want you to become. The attack is on the mind. So the battle is not only in your mind. The battle is actually for your mind. You hear that a lot of times. People talking about, I just got this battle in my mind. That's true. You do have a battle in your mind. But the battle is actually also for your mind. Because you have two entities that are vying, that are fighting for the control of your mind. Because whomever controls your mind controls what you do and what you become. So Satan is vying and fighting for control of your mind. God is vying and fighting for control of your mind because anything that is going to happen on this earth is going to happen through mankind. Okay, God has already written that into the equation. He said, I'm going to make mankind in my own image and let them rule. Let them reign. Let them have dominion over all that I created. So anything and everything that's going to happen on this earth is going to happen through man. That's why God had to come to this earth as a what? Man. (laughs) Couldn't come as the spirit. Couldn't come as the father. He had to come as man because anything that's going to happen on this earth is going to happen through man. So whoever controls man controls what happens on this earth. So you have Satan vying for your mind. You have God vying for your mind, so that whoever whoever gets your mind gets their will to be done. Just like we just finished singing, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done." How is that going to happen? By God controlling our mind. By God having power over our mind, by God having authority over our mind. That is how his kingdom comes. That is how his will is done because he has the authority over our mind. But when Satan, our enemy, comes and he gets us to think a certain way, he gets us to feel a certain way, he gets us to do certain things, he gets us to become who he wants us to be. Now, whose will are we doing? His. That is the strategy. That's why Philippians 2.5 says this, Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you have the mind of Christ, you will do the will of God because that's what Jesus Christ did. Jesus said, I only say what I hear you saying. I only do what I see you doing. I have come to do the will of my Father in heaven. So when you have the mind of Christ as well, then you do the will of God. So let this mind be in you, God says. The mind of Christ. So if you have ever felt that life was like walking through a minefield, (laughs) if you have ever felt that life was like walking through a minefield, got to be careful where you step and and what you do because so many things are triggering your mind. There's a reason for that. (laughs) It's because the enemy has placed them there. The enemy has placed them there. So there's a reason why you feel that life is like that when it comes to your mind. Let me give you an example. Matthew 13, 24. Matthew 13, 24. This is a parable that Jesus gives. And I believe that it is applicable to what we are talking about today. Matthew 13, 24 says this. Another parable Jesus put forth to them saying... The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, from other parables, we know the field is us, our heart, our mind, our conscience, our soul. That is the field. We then know seed is the word of God. So go to the parable of the sower, okay? Some fell on shallow ground, thorny ground, good soil. Same thing. It's our heart, it's our mind, The seed is God's word. So God says, a man sowed good seed in his field. Watch this. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. (laughs) I went in and I planted good seed. I planted good seed, but my enemy came after me and planted these weeds, planted these tares. He has done this. The servant said to him, do you want me then to go and gather them up? He said, no, leave them alone. (laughs) Leave them alone, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them up in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. Okay. Translation, God says, I know my enemy has put them there, but leave them there. Leave them there. You may be thinking, why didn't God just remove all the mines? (laughs) Why do not these 78 countries that are littered, contaminated with mines, why don't they just go in there and take them all out? I mean, that would make more sense, right? You may have the exact same question to God. God, if you know the tears are there, if you know the mines are there, why don't you just go in and remove all the mines? So he says, no, that's not what we're going to do. At the end, that's what we will do at the end you will never have to worry about these minds ever again but not right now let them alone okay keep them all there so god simply tells us through this keep in mind the enemy of mine has placed minds in the mind okay <laughs> god is telling us <laughs> as you are trying to live out this life in victory As you're trying to walk out this life in favor with God and to do all he's called you to do, God simply says, keep in mind that an enemy of mine has planted minds in your mind. Now that's half the battle right there, okay? (laughs) Knowing what is taking place. Because there are so many people in this life, in this world, they don't know that they do not understand that there is a true enemy out there that has actually placed minds in the mind. So by you even knowing (laughs) that that's a problem, that's half the battle. (laughs) You can't find a cure unless you first know that you got a problem. You have a sickness, you have a disease. So God lets us know that this is the problem or the issue with all of us. You know, we have something in our culture today, social media, and all called emojis, right? (laughs) We have emojis, and emojis simply are pictures that depict emotion. Pictures that depict them. You can have a whole conversation with somebody without saying a word now. (laughs) Just with the pictures that you use in your text. Pictures you use in your post. They are pictures that depict the emotion that you are feeling at that time. Whether you are happy or sad or mad or glad or afraid or confused. Whatever it is, you can find an emoji to fit that emotion. But the one that we're going to be focusing on in this particular series that we're beginning today is the mind blowing emotion. <laughs> we're going to be focusing on the mind blowing emotion, okay, and not mind blowing in a good way, okay? We were talking about where it is a minefield in here that every time I take a step in this life, Every time I do something, every time I interact with someone, every time I go to that place, it's like it's triggered and it goes off. <laughs> this mind of the mind. How do I get the victory over this? Well, first of all, what are some things that set us off? What are some triggers? What are some minds of the mind? Well, you guys are the. Uh place that this particular series came from is the questions that y'all submitted to me, okay? There are a few of y'all who had some questions concerning minds of the mind, okay? And so we're going to be addressing those since y'all asked a question, but I'm probably going to throw in a few of my own as well, okay? Some popular ones that I feel are common amongst all of us. But these are some things that may trigger the minds of the mind. Worry. Doubt, fear, failing, lust, greed, loneliness, hopelessness, sadness, depression, despair, anger, desperation, anxiety, discouragement, pride, envy, guilt shame, regret. And we can go on and on and on and on and on and on about all the triggers that we have that will set off the minds of the mind. That's what these things are. Now, we all have them, including your pastor, okay? We all have them. Don't let anybody... A lot of you say they don't have them. They got them too, okay? Because God just finished telling us that the enemy has come in and he's planted these things there, okay? So we all have them. Your minds may not be my minds. (laughs) My minds may not be your minds. But we all have minds of the mind. So the question is, how do we deal with them? Since they're not going anywhere, (laughs) since God says I'm not going to allow my servant to, to pluck them out just yet, that'll happen at the end. You won't have to worry about any of these things ever, ever, ever again, but we're not there yet. So while we're waiting on that moment when they will all be uprooted and lifted and taken away, how do we deal with them now? How do we navigate through this field called life without setting one off? How do we keep and maintain the victory over the minds of the mind? Well, as I said, we're going to address a few of these, specifically the ones that you asked me about, plus a, a few more that I may add to this particular series. But what I want to do uh, my um, remaining time tonight is give you resources from heaven, okay? I want to give you the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God, the resources of heaven, that you can apply to any mind you have. So whether we address your particular mind specifically or not, if you get the secret... If you get the mystery, if you get the resource of how to deal with minds in general, you can apply these things to whatever mind you have in your mind. So whether I address yours specifically or not, if you get these biblical principles, if you get these truths, you can apply this to whatever minds you're faced with and dealing with. Does that make sense, everybody? Okay. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 10 starting in verse 3 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 This is what God says through Paul he says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh okay. translation The battle may affect us physically But the battle is not physical. Okay? Say that again. (laughs) The battle that we are in may and does and will affect us physically, but the battle is not physical. Okay? In other words, there is a source behind what's causing your physical pain. Okay. There is a sort, there's something on the other side of the curtain. I use this illustration all the time, but remember Wizard of Oz. <laughs> they go to see the uh, Emerald City and the, and the wizard, and they go through that corridor, and they see this big, great, ferocious uh, head looking at them with veins popping out of his, his head and fire and smoke coming all over the place, and they are scared to death by what they see, not knowing that there is somebody behind the curtain <laughs> controlling it all. <laughs> what they're seeing is not real. Okay, that head isn't real. There's somebody behind the curtain that is controlling what they can see. God is saying the same thing in this verse right here. Although we walk in the flesh, in the physical, in the natural, that's not how we war. Because that's not what our war is. Our war is not a physical war. Our war is a spiritual war. That's why your spouse is not your enemy. Your boss is not your problem. Neither is your neighbor, neither is your president, neither is anybody else. Why? Because it is not a physical battle, it is a spiritual battle, God says. There is a spiritual entity that is behind the curtain pulling all the strings and causing you to think that what's in front of you is your problem. What's in front of you is your enemy. God says no. Though we walk in the flesh, in the natural, in the physical, that is not how we war. Verse 4, he says, for the weapons of our warfare. God says, I have weapons for you. Since you're in a war, since you are in a battle, you're going to need weaponry. Anybody here being in the Army, Navy, in the uh, military, anybody gone to war? Will they ever send you in the battle without weapons? No. (laughs) God says the same thing, you are at war, you are in a battle, and so because of it, you're going to need armor, therefore put on the full arm of God, and you're going to need weapons. (laughs) And so he says the weapons of this warfare, they are not carnal, they are not worldly, they are not physical. Why? Because this is not a physical battle. So taking physical weapons to a spiritual battle is like taking a knife to a gunfight. (laughs) Y'all remember Indiana Jones, that guy comes out with a big sword, he starts flinging it everywhere. What does Indiana Jones do? Pulls out a gun, shoots him. (laughs) That's about as ridiculous as we look, trying to fight a spiritual battle by physical means. No, God says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. Well, mighty means they have the ability to do something. They have the ability to accomplish something. So if the weapons that God has given us are mighty, which means they can do something, what can they do? He tells you. They are mighty in God for, number one, Pulling down strongholds. Now, what are strongholds? Where do strongholds come up in the mind? Strongholds are simply those things that have a hold on you, that have a grip on you, that will not let you go. That is a stronghold, it's like an addiction. You can't kick this addiction. You can't beat this habit. Why? Because not only do you have hold of it, it actually has hold of you. And it refuses to let you go. That is a stronghold. Well, God says, the weapons of my, of our warfare that I'm giving you, it has the power to pull down those strongholds, to break you free from that stronghold that, that has you. Number two, not only... Do that, does it have the power to pull down strongholds? It has the power to cast down arguments. Now, where do arguments occur? In the mind, right? What is an argument? An argument is simply two opposing voices. <laughs> you argue with somebody, you're arguing because y'all don't agree. <laughs> y'all don't agree, that's why. You ever argue with, with your spouse? Because y'all don't agree. <laughs> and arguments, simply put, are two opposing voices. And so you have the voice of God that is calling you, beckoning you, instructing you, leading you. But then there's another voice that comes in your head as well. And this other voice, it is disagreeing with God's voice. And this other voice is trying to get you to listen to that voice. Well, God says, my weapons have the power to cast that argument out of you, to remove that contrary voice that is competing for your affection and your attention. And that happens in the mind. So, for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments, and watch this, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Where is the knowledge of God found? In the mind. What you know about God is in your mind. Well, God says there are certain arguments that will try to exalt itself above what you know. (laughs) To exalt means to lift up and to lift up above what you know. And so God says, although you know the truth, you've been coming to believe church for years, so you know the truth. (laughs) The truth is in you, but there is something else that is trying to exalt itself above the truth that you know so that you may listen to it rather than listening to the truth that you know. God says, my weapons can... Manage that. Can bring that down as well. So, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against what you know about God. And watch this, bringing every thought into captivity. Where do thoughts take place? In the mind. God says, I'll give you the ability and the power to bring every thought, not just your spiritual thought, not just your Sunday thought, not just your church thought, (laughs) but every thought you have. I will give you the power to bring every thought into captivity so that it is not running loose in your mind. (laughs) It's not running loose in here. If we had terrorists out in the streets right now planting bombs everywhere, what what would we do? We would call the police, call the FBI, call 911. Go arrest those people. Don't let them keep running loose in our city planting bombs everywhere. But yeah, we will let thoughts run loose in our mind all day every day. We will not send the power of the Holy Spirit to arrest those thoughts, bring those thoughts captive, send them to jail and out around. We won't do that. (laughs) We just let the thoughts keep going. (laughs) Until we are defeated and broken down by them. No, God says my weapons have the power to bring every thought. Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That means if it is not a thought that is in line with God and his word, it is a thought that needs to be captured. It is a thought that needs to be arrested. It is a thought that needs to be prosecuted and, and taken out of your mind. If it is not in obedience to God and his word, it needs to be captivated. And being ready to punish all disobedience, When your obedience is fulfilled, the best way to defeat a bad thought is to do the opposite. (laughs) The best way, I mean, the devil is getting, putting things in your mind and things in your head and and thoughts in you. The best way to defeat that is to do the opposite of it. (laughs) You ever try to fight with somebody and they don't want to fight with you? Maybe it's your spouse, maybe you're in sports or something. And they're trying to pick on you and get you to to react and you just ignore. You you walk away. That is the power that God gives you don't have to give into it. And when you are obedient to doing what God has you to do, then you bring defeat to that that thought. God says you have the ability to punish this disobedient thought that you have. How? By being obedient to what you know to be right and true. This is what God has given us. To deal with the minds of the mind. To navigate through this life with the minds of the mind. And to once and for all have victory over the minds of the mind. You say, okay, I see that in scripture. But how actually does that work? How does that work? Well, it works by you going by what you know rather than what you don't know. By you going by what you know as opposed to what you don't know. You know how many times we get angry and frustrated and worry and anxious about things that might happen. (laughs) We think it's a possibility it would happen. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but what if? And we will spend all of our time, all of our effort, all of our focus, all of our energy on what we don't know, forgetting about what we already know. Do you realize that's why God allows you to go through some things so that he may have a track record with you? When the disciples were on the boat and God said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, they said, oh, it's because we forgot bread. He says, where were you when I fed the (laughs) 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread? And then I fed the 7,000 the same way. Why would you think that I'm worried that you forgot some bread when you just saw what I did with the little bit of bread that you had before? In other words, he's saying, go back and check your record. Check the history. (laughs) God wants a track record with you so that you can always fall back on what you already know. about him instead of relying on what you don't know may happen so number 1 by going by what you already know as opposed to going by what you don't even know okay number 2 by believing what god said as opposed to what you see by believing what god said as opposed to going or believing what you see. What does the Bible says And the uh, just shall walk by what? Faith, not by what? Sight. (laughs) We are not to live our lives by what we see, by what's in front of us. We are to walk and to live our lives by the faith and the hope that we have in God's word and the promises that he has made. And if you are the type of person who's always reacting to what you see, reacting to what's in front of you, reacting to the situation you're in, you are not walking like God told you to walk. You'd rather believe in what's in front of you than believe what God has said. And if you want victory, if you want power over the minds of your mind, you have to become a person who believes in what God has said more than what you see. Thirdly, living for what's eternal rather than for what's temporal. If you want victory over the minds of your mind, you need to begin living for what is eternal rather than for what is temporal. And the majority of the times when we are having explosion after explosion take place in our mind, it is because we are so focused on the here and now. We have planted ourselves so far deep in this world that we are affected now by this world. And so we act just like the world. (laughs) Because we are not living, we're not focusing on what's eternal, we're focusing on all the temporal. What's temporary? And so lastly, by focusing on what's above rather than on what's below, Colossians 3, 2. Colossians 3, 2 says it this way. Set your mind. Now, first of all, let me ask you a question. Who is supposed to set your mind? Who's supposed to set it? You are. (laughs) I am. We are. God didn't say, I will set your mind on things. No, that's not what he said. He said, set your mind as in you set your mind. You set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So therefore, you set your mind. It's like setting on your thermostat. (laughs) You can either set it to heat, you can set it to cool, but you are the one that needs to set it. And in the same way, we can set our mind to things above or we can set our mind to the things of this world. But you will make that decision. You will make that determination. God is not gonna make that decision for you. He is not gonna set your mind. He tells you to set your mind. And he says you need to set your mind on the things above for you died and your life is hidden with Christ. You are seated right now in heavenly places. You are seated right now at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because you are in Christ. Physically, you're here, but your authority is there. <laughs> I used to tell you my wife used to work for the uh, IRS as a revenue officer. She'd have to go and she'd have to deal with people that made more money and positions and all that. And she would go in and say, this is what I need. No, I'm not giving you that. No, you're going to give me that. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Why? Because she's, you know, five, five, 120 pounds, you know? No, because she had authority in, from Washington. <laughs> she wasn't moving in her own authority. She was, had the authority of Washington. And because of the authority of where she was seated in her position, she got to do what she needed to do to fulfill her job. We're the same way. Our authority right now, God says, we are seated in heavenly places. We are seated at the right hand of the Father. That is our authority that we have. And because that's where we're seated, that's where our authority comes from, we ought to walk in the authority that we have. But if you don't know that, and if your mind is set on this world and set on worldly things, and you don't know that the enemy has already been defeated, you will have explosion after explosion after explosion after exposure you say okay well that sounds great but that's still a little too cliche for me I've heard things like that all my life going to church so what does that actually look like what does that actually look like well let me let me share with you an example I'm gonna ask pastor Rick come up here and art if you will come up here for a second let me give you an illustration To show you what this looks like, come up on the stage, gentlemen, if y'all will. Rick, if you would, just sit on the chair on the uh, stool for me. Okay? So, Rick is sitting on the chair, right? Sit on that chair. Now, Art, I want you to sit on that chair. Oh, wait a minute. Rick, where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> on the chair or the no, on the chair, on the chair. <laughs> All right, get up, get up, get up. Stay here, stay in front of, stay in front of us. Get up. Now, the reason why Pastor Rick got up from the chair when I told Art to sit on the chair is because of the law of physics. What does the law of physics say? No two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. It's the law of physics. No two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. So when Pastor Rick was sitting on this chair, on the stool, he was on it, but then I said, well, Art, I want you to sit there. So he had to move because both of them can't sit on the chair at the same time, okay? Two objects cannot occupy the same space at the same time. And as it is with physics, so it is with your mind. So it is with your mind. This stool represents your mind, okay? This stool represents your mind, and just like no two objects can occupy the same space at the same time, so it is with your mind, He said, well, wait a minute, I I can do a lot of things uh, simultaneously. I can multitask a lot of times. Yeah, we can do things on autopilot. (laughs) Anybody ever go home one day and you didn't know how you got there? (laughs) You drove into your driveway? man. I don't even remember that trip. You're on autopilot, right? (laughs) So we can do things without thinking about it, but you can only think about one thing. You can only focus on one thing. You can only meditate on one thing. So whatever has the seat of your mind is what has the seat of your mind. So this is what happened. Pastor Rick, go ahead and sit back on there. Pastor Rick is going to represent the mind of Christ. Okay? Pastor, he's going to represent the mind of Christ. He's going to represent the things above. He's going to represent the things of eternal eternity. Okay, that is what's on my mind right now: the mind of Christ, the things above, the eternal things. That's where my mind is. Oh, but then there is a knock on the door. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> here comes depression. <laughs> here comes confusion. Here comes anger. <laughs> Here comes sadness and loneliness and lust and greed and pride and envy and all kinds of things. They come to the door. And so what do we do? We say, uh, Pastor, can you mind getting off this stool, please? Go ahead. and Have a seat, please. Have a seat. Why? Because they both can't occupy this place. <laughs> they both can't occupy this stool. So in order for me to entertain this one, this one has to go. He has to get off the stool. He has to get off my mind. And now I can focus on this one. I can meditate on this one. I can think about this one all day, every day, and be affected by this one. Oh, but then I'll start to pray, and I'll uh, send out a prayer request and a chain of prayers, and and it will work. He'll get off the the, the stool, (laughs) and I got the mind of Christ again. (laughs) Why? Because two thoughts can't occupy the same place. So the prayer worked. Going to church worked. (laughs) Going to service worked. I feel great. I feel energized and revived and renewed. Wasn't that an awesome service we just had? The mind of Christ is back where it belongs, right? But then I get back home. (laughs) I get home (laughs) and all of a sudden... Or I get that phone call or I get that email or I get that doctor's report or I go back to work or I start dealing with them kids or whatever. I kick the mind of Christ out and I let this one back on. Look, it's either one or the other. It's either one or the other. It's not both. It is not both. And so what God tells us to do, go back to the door, come back to the seat. What God tells us to do is when this one starts knocking at the door of your mind, you say, oh, no, that seat is occupied already. There's there's no room for you here. There's no room, okay? Go ahead. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I want to give you a a picture or an illustration of what is actually going on and taking place in the heavenlies and the spiritual realm. That is exactly what's going on. Y'all remember... uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, when he did that monologue with that, that empty chair, <laughs> it was supposed to be Barack Obama and he was giving that monologue and all. And then Barack, after he was over, he tweeted, and he said, oh, that seat is taken. Okay? <laughs> that seat is occupied already. Okay, And that's what you need to tell any demonic spirit or, or thought that comes to your mind. No, the chair or the throne of my mind is already occupied. I'm not kicking out the mind of God. I'm not kicking out the things above. I know you've come to me, but you cannot stay. I'm not going to kick off the mind of God and make you comfortable so I can uh, entertain you and you bring me down. I'm not going to do that. This seat is already occupied. (laughs) That is what God is telling us to do. We're done now. I want to give y'all a few minutes to hold on. (laughs) I want to give y'all a few minutes to to answer some questions, but let me give you one more. Y'all remember the movie Inside Out? Inside Out is is an illustration. It's a kid's movie, but there's a message there, right? Inside Out, if you haven't seen it, is about the mind of this little girl. And in the mind of this little girl, she has five different emotions that are running loose in her mind. She has joy. She has sadness. She has fear. She has anger. She has disgust. All five of these emotions are running around in her mind, and guess what they're doing? They are fighting for control, There's only one can control it at a time. Only one emotion, only one character gets control at a time. So they are all constantly fighting for control. And then throughout the movie, Joy, she even one day tries to get rid of sadness. She says, oh, we, we don't need you around here. You're bringing us down. You're making us feel bad. We don't need you. And so she tries to get rid of sadness, not realizing that she actually needs sadness. That is why God won't go and just remove all the minds that Satan's planted. Because there are some times where you need to feel sad. Did you know that? There's some times where you need to be sad. There's some times where you need to feel conviction and feel pain. There's some times where you need to be angry. There's some times where you need to be upset. So God has given us these emotions because he knew we would need these emotions. But even though we have these emotions, the emotions should not have us. God did not give us these emotions to rule over us or to control us. We are to control them. Listen, just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's your own. Satan can plant thoughts in your mind just like God can. You don't have to own every thought that comes in your mind. As quickly as it has come in, you can just as quickly dismiss it. So that is not of God. That is not of God. I refuse to accept it. I refuse to believe that. I refuse to entertain that. I refuse to meditate on that. That is not of God. That's not me. Because Satan can plant a thought just like God can plant a thought. Just because you have it doesn't mean you make it your own. So throughout this series, when it comes to the minds of the mind, what we're going to discover is the truth of that old saying, mind over matter. When God gets your mind, your woes won't matter. When God gets your mind, you're going to discover that your woes won't matter. That is where God wants us all to be. Amen? Give the Lord a hand now for his word, if you will, please.